In business, first impressions are everything. And that's why every business owner needs to know about Ruby. Ruby is the virtual receptionist company who screens, transfers, and takes messages 24-7, all while making your customers feel special. You definitely don't want to hire a subpar front desk person. And with Ruby, they engage with your callers in a conversational way, just like your best employee would. Never miss another customer call again. This year, make your business the best it can be. Visit ruby.com today or just call them at 844-900-RUBY. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and there's star child Chuck Bryant, and there's Moonrock Jerry Rowland over there. And I'm just plain old Josh Clark, like I said, but this is the Galactic Federation of Stuff You Should Know episode of all time. There's my tall boy. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Chuck likes to get nice and loaded when he talks about space stuff. Uh, here's something that I found helpful for me uh-huh. that I think might help other dum-dums. Like you're, not me. A, you're not a dum-dum. <laughs> I like that shirt, by the way. You look like a circus peanut. <laughs> it is circus peanut colored. Oh my god! That is circus peanut orange. A hundred percent, dude. I want to squeeze you. Do not. Um, all oh, right. All right. You can squeeze me. You ready for this? So, if our solar system, which is the sun and it's orbiting planets, uh-huh. moons, right. dust, yeah. gas, right, a lot of dust and gas, rocks, our, our solar system, yeah, yeah. Uh, if that was, uh, let's say if the sun was the size of a grain of sand, then relatively our solar system would be like the size of our hand with that at the center. Wow. And then if you extrapolate that, then our hand in re- relation to the Milky Way galaxy yeah. it would stretch the length, width of the United States. Wow. And I then, love stuff like that. Oh, keep going, Chuck. <laughs> well, that's just one of, you know, billions of galaxies in the universe. Right. If you go solar system, galaxy, universe. And then so the universe would be like our the United States and Canada. <laughs> well, and I'm a, I am a dummy because I was like, and so let's stand in Lebanon, Kansas, because that's the geographic center. Not, not as far as I recognize. Well, but we're not at the geographic center of... Our solar system is not the geographic center of the galaxy, though, so I was wrong. No, there's a long history. By the way, it was beautiful. I love that. Thank you. Um, there's a long history of assuming that we are at the center of the universe. Yeah. And then there's an equally, almost equally long history of science proving that now we're absolutely not. And um, we finally figured out that we're about a quarter of the way between the galactic center Okay. And the edge of the Milky Way. Yeah, yeah. And that, that um, checks out. <laughs> so we're so we're nowhere near the center of the Milky Way. Well, no, because the center of the Milky Way is a supermassive black hole. The universe itself is expanding, and it's expanding faster than the speed of light. And galaxies are just caught up in the in the motion. Mm-hmm. 
going through the motions. Yeah. And we're just here on this little rock called Earth trying to figure out what what in the H is going on. Yeah, during our, you know, 80 to 90 years here. Yeah. We're so insignificant. Luckily, though, we figured out how to encapsulate knowledge in the form of writing so earlier generations can or later generations can build on the work of earlier generations because we'd be toast sure. if it all just got reset after everybody's lifetime and you couldn't say, oh, I've learned all this stuff. Yeah. You know, people just keep discovering the same things, which would be great for that sense of discovery, but yeah. it wouldn't really help move our species forward. No, and that's what we're all about here. That's right. Right? Yeah. Us and, and the hubs. Um, so as far as what we know about galaxies now compared to the very beginnings of this study, uh, of course, the Greeks were looking up at the sky a long time before we were, and they came up with this name, uh, Galaxies Kuklos, <laughs> and it means milky circle. Yeah, and which guess which word we kept to describe galaxies? <laughs> the milky. Not Kuklos? So when you're saying like, look at that galaxy up there, you're saying look at that milky up there. Oh, right, right. Kuklos's circle. Yeah. I looked it up. I'm like, surely Kuklos is the milky one, but nope. No, this is so surprising. That, so the, but the Greeks were like, it looks like a milky circle, so we'll just go with that. Yeah, and they were on to some, like, kind of like everything they were doing back then. Some stuff they got wrong and were kind of ahead of their time and their thinking and other stuff they weren't quite right about because of technology. Right. But Galileo did, he was, he looked up and it's like, hey, that's a, there's a bunch of stars up there. It ain't milk. Congregating for a reason. Yeah. And so we knew pretty early on that, like, we were in the midst of some sort of group of stars. Yeah. But for most of the, most of the era um, where we were looking up at the sky, at least in the West, I'm not sure about, like, the Muslim world. I know that they kind of had their own, like, track of astronomy and mathematics. Sure. That it was in many points in history far more advanced than what the West was at. Yeah. Um, but as far as the West is concerned, um, they didn't understand that this group was anything less than the universe itself. They just looked out and they're like, well, there's the universe. Everything we're seeing is the universe and that's all that there is. Mm -hmm. Not that um, we possibly lived in what were later called by um, a guy named, uh, I think, Charles Messier, uh, who called them island island universes. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. It was um, Harlow Shapley in the early 20th century. He started looking at some of these things and realized that they they had the same structure from the, that the Milky Way did. We had kind of identified that we were in our own little galaxy, but that other stuff was beyond our own little galaxy and that they were their own galaxies. Right. And so these island universes came to be called Milkies. Yeah. And so did you pronounce them Shapley? Yeah. There's a E that's not supposed to be in there. Oh, really? Because mm -hmm. no one wants to be called Harlow Shapley. <laughs> I'm sure. Mm -hmm. uh, so he was actually right <laughs> in this argument, uh, right, this longstanding um, sort of dis – not disagreement, but debate with Messier. No, Messier was a couple hundred years before him. Well, but no, the whole argument, though, I mean, they didn't literally oh, argue oh, with see. each other. Just, because Messier was able to encapsulate his ideas in the form of writing. Yeah, but they had a longstanding um, – again, not to personal beef, but <laughs> debate – uh, because we didn't have the technology to prove one or the other correct until Hubs came along. And in 1924, 
he basically said that Shapley was correct. Yeah, that that these little island universes weren't in the Milky Way. They were way far yeah. outside of the Milky Way, and the universe was astoundingly bigger than we we thought we previously imagined. So we mentioned Hubs, the Hubs, Doctor Hubble, and his <laughs> awesome telescope. Right. <laughs> Which did you know that's being uh, replaced? I mean, not, I don't think they're going to like destroy it, but surely not. It's being uh, well, I guess, sort of replaced mm-hmm. uh, by the James Webb Space Telescope. How do you mean being replaced? Like they're just going to shoot it out of the sky with a space well, laser? Well, no, that's what I was saying. I doubt if they'll destroy it, but it's being – there's a new a new guy on the block. Right. Oh, yeah. And Everybody's hot and heavy for and him. And his name is the James Webb Telescope. Yes. Which will be – I think now it's been pushed back to 2021. Yeah. But this thing will supposedly be able to observe like – the formation of galaxies. Pretty pretty much. The the Hubble telescope as it stands right now shows us, I think, back to like 400 million years after the Big Bang. Not bad. Which is astoundingly early sure. in the the, uh, the universe's development. And the whole point of, of astronomy is what they're doing is looking back in time, right? Yeah. The further away some object in the sky is, what you're seeing then is what that object looked like, say, a billion or two billion or ten billion years ago. Yeah. And so you can take the structure of that object and compare it to objects that are much younger that we know of today that right. are closer. And you can see how the universe has evolved and we can learn, you know, figure out some of the mysteries of the universe, like where it came from, what its structure is. That how we're all stuff, going to die. Right? So if Hubble can – if Hubble – that's great. Great end of the world reference, by the uh-huh. way. Um, <laughs> if Hubble can see back to 400 million years after the Big Bang, supposedly James Webb Telescope can see back to like 200 million years. Oh, and really? that is a hair's breadth sure. from the origin of the universe. So close. Yeah. So it is, it's the big guy in town, the new sheriff. Yeah, I just don't want Hubs to get kicked to the curb. He, the James Webb Telescope is going to mush his face out of the way. <laughs> Wait, you didn't say the James Woods Telescope. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be like Trump forever. The telescope full of uh, right-wing rage. Yeah. And very smart. I think he has the highest IQ of anyone in Hollywood. Really? Mm-hmm. He's like smart 160 guy. something. What uh he uh did you know that he supposedly tried to thwart the 9-11 hijacking? No. What? I think I need to look this up. Okay. Speaking from the top of my head, All right. but I'm pretty sure that it is fact. That he was on a flight with one of the ringleaders Mm -hmm. and was like, this guy's on my flight and he's taking notes and something's fishy here and I'm going to report it. Really? And that ended up being, you know, like Muhammad Atta or something. Wow. I got to look that up because I'm truly like (laughs) flying by the seat of my pants. But I think that's a true thing. He also made an appearance on The Simpsons once. (laughs) He was also the best part of the Stephen King anthology film Cat's Eye. I don't the, remember his. As the man who tried to quit smoking. Oh, Quitter's Inc. Is that what it was called? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You remember that? Sure. That was him. I don't remember James Woods being that. I think he was the guy that was trying to quit smoking under threat of violence to his family. Right. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, that was a great one. I haven't seen that in a while. I'm going to have to check that out. Okay. I'm sure it's being rebooted. Boy, uh, we are stalling. <laughs> All right. That's because it's space. All right. So the various shapes, uh, 1936, Edwin the Hubs Hubble classified these uh, in his Hubble sequence as elliptical, spiral, and irregular. Mm-hmm. Uh, elliptical, I mean, we'll, we'll go into detail on these, but about 60% of all galaxies are elliptical. Yeah. Roughly 20% or so are spiral, which is us, and then anywhere from 1% to 20 25% are irregular. Yes. But elliptical are, there's, there's a range 
of shape from uh, circular, which is E0, all the way up to E7, which is the most elliptical. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, okay, great. So all you need is elliptical. That's all galaxies are. But no, there's also something called spiral. And even though Hubble classified them by their shape, mm-hmm. it's really, they're more differentiated by their features. Yeah, and how, spiral's bright. Right, right. They're bright. They have stars, bright stars, lots of hot gas. Yeah. They tend to have arms that stretch out from them. Yeah, like if you've looked at pictures of the Milky Way galaxy, it looks like a, what does it look like? Like a, a someone spinning an op- octopus. A bit of a whirlpool. Sure. Someone spinning an octopus. I love that. Yeah. That was perfect. That's what the, I wish that's what the Greeks had come up with instead of a Milky Way. I'm surprised they didn't. Although they, all they saw was like a strip of white light. No one had any idea what the Milky Way looked like until the 20th century. Yeah, that's true. So they, all right, I'll ease off the Greeks, everybody. I'm sorry. So, but spiral are the brightest, right? They're the brightest because they have the most bright stars. Right. Um, elliptical tend to sometimes not have any bright stars at all. Um, and then uh, the other big difference between them is that elliptical are um, are disordered and chaotic, whereas spiral are much more orderly, where everything in the galaxy yeah. rotates in orbit around the galaxy center in the exact same way and for the exact same reasons that Earth rotates around the sun. Mm-hmm. Except in this rotation, our solar system takes about 230 million years to make it all the way around the Milky Way rather than right. one year around the sun. Yeah, that's a big diff. Yeah, it is. And again, with the size, as illustrated at the onset, that might make a little more sense. Sure. The grain of sand in the palm, right. that palm in the middle of the United States. Yeah, it's Actually, let's say the United States was, uh-huh. that would place us like, I don't know, what, Kentucky? What, the center of the U.S.? No, no, no. If the center of the U.S. is Lebanon, Kansas. Not in my book. Our pl- <laughs> what is in your book? I'll, I'll tell you uh, later. Okay. <laughs> I've got my own opinions on that. Just no credit to Lebanon, Kansas. <laughs> I get it. Um, I think it's actually a couple of miles from there. But uh, See? I don't know where that would put us. If we're in like the what, the a third of the way between the edge. And oh, the, I see what you're saying. If Lebanon, Kansas is the middle uh-huh. and... You know. It's not, though, but let's just, for the sake of argument, suppose it is. And the East Coast edge would uh, be the outer edge. Where would that put us? Yeah, like? I think Kentucky's Kentucky? probably a pretty good— Roughly. Kentucky or maybe East Tennessee. Okay. Or Middle Tennessee, something like that. Yeah. Somewhere between— Just not Memphis. No. <laughs> uh, then the spirals are broken down and subdivided into other categories. Um, normal spiral. Mm-hmm. That's where you have, that's sort of the classic disc shape that we're thinking of, right? Yeah, that's the other feature that they have is like a hump. They look like a UFO. A bulge. If you looked at a, 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 a spiral galaxy from the side, especially, a, I guess, an a SA? I think an SA. Yeah, that's the largest nuclear bulge. Right. Nuclear bulges. So it's like. Great band name. It really is. But the bulge is like it's got a hump on the top and a hump on the bottom and mm-hmm. then a disk of stuff in the middle. Yes. Like a UFO. That's what it looks like. Yeah. Um, that's a that's a classic spiral galaxy. Right, which would be the normal. Then there are the barred spiral. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is has a disk shape as well with a bright center as well. Uh, I don't get the difference then visually. So I think the difference is um, the uh, disc shape 
is with the barred spiral, the center of it is drawn out. Oh, okay. So like in a in a, a normal spiral, mm-hmm. it's just a nice circle in the center, a nice tidy sphere okay. in the center. Whereas in a barred spiral, that sphere is pulled out into an elliptical itself. So okay. it's like a bar of light going through, you know, the middle of the galaxy, and that's the galactic center nucleus. All right. Uh, and then we have our irregular as the third type of galaxy shape. Uh, and these are very faint, very small, um, no bright center, no spiral arms. Just, you know. Losers. Of, yeah, sort of the loser of the loser three. Loser galaxies. <laughs> so they used to think that this was the, the evolution of galaxies, that the different galaxies was like. Either, oh, really? Yeah, either it started as elliptical oh. and then moved to. Um, spiral or most likely vice versa. Now we found that's not the case at all. Interesting. They think probably um, galaxies tend to start out as spiral galaxies, Mm -hmm. the ordered kind where everything's just going around nice and easy. Um, And that the, the reason we have elliptical galaxies, the disordered kind, is because a spiral merged with another spiral, which we'll get into later. Yeah, the collisions of galaxies. Yeah, which I... Honestly, didn't know that much about until this episode. Yeah, and it sounds a lot scarier than it is. It's really not that scary, so yeah. don't be scared, everybody. Right. You, you probably wouldn't even notice. You just have an extra sun five billion <laughs> years from now. Uh, I feel like we should take a break. I think we should, too. We made it through page one. <laughs> All right, we'll come back with page two right after this. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids because, let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull, more intense than an alien abduction, and more reliable than your phone's battery during a podcast marathon. When it comes to needing intense freshness, Altoids have you covered. Altoids are stronger than your favorite conspiracy theory, more intense than the latest true crime docuseries, and more reliable than a Bigfoot sighting. They're not just mints, they're curiously strong mints. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today. All right, Chuck. So we're talking spiral galaxies because that's what we care about because that's what the Milky Way is. That's right. Um, It's a spiral bar galaxy to be particular. And so it's got that center hump, the galactic disk, and the galactic disk is actually made up of a few different parts, too. you got the nucleus, which is the center. Mm-hmm. 
You've got the bulge, which you love, the nuclear bulge. We've said bulge like nine times already. The, uh, and then the spiral arms. These are like um, accumulations of stars, gas, dust, um, all sorts of stuff, planets, solar systems, all that. And that's where we are. Right. We're in a spiral arm. Yeah. Now, the Milky Way has four spiral arms, two major and two minor, and we're in a minor one, Orion, which is still, it's fine. We're in a minor arm, but it's the Orion arm, which makes it pretty cool. Right. So I guess it would not have been an octopus spinning. That would be eight arms. Well, maybe we haven't discovered the other four yet. Yes. Or maybe we're just a ceiling fan. Maybe so. I like the spinning octopus yeah. the most. <laughs> we need to get some more arms you, then. You know, you shouldn't eat octopus. They're extraordinarily intelligent. <laughs> Just FYI. I think we, we've sung our octopus praises okay. over the years. But do you, are you eating them though still is what I'm saying? No, I don't eat octopus. Okay. They, me, they, me either. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Did you give them up after our episode on it? Or? Yeah, around that time. Is it okay to eat squid ink pasta though? Squid, they're stupid. Who cares about squid? I'll eat them all day long. Luckily, that's what most calamari is, is squid. Or not even, right? What is it then? Isn't there like a big calamari hoax going on? I can believe it. Some of that stuff is awfully rubbery. Yeah, I think that's the deal. All right, so back to the the shape of the galactic disk. Uh, There's also the globular cluster. Mm -hmm. Um, These are above and below that disk. And then the halo, which is... Um, hot gas, we think. And that is that that sort of dim region that you see around the galaxy. Right. And when you think of like the Milky Way from all the pictures you've ever seen, what you're mostly thinking about is the galactic disk. The globular yeah. cl- clusters nobody really thinks much about, but they're actually old, super, um, super burned out ancient clumps of stars <laughs> that formed in like the early galaxy mm-hmm. that used up a bunch of stars, used up their fuel really quickly. And now they're just kind of like these dead balls that are in orbit around our galaxy. And we actually can use them and the effect that our galaxy has on them, the tidal effects of gravity, to figure out how much mass our galaxy has. Yeah, and, you know, gravity is what's holding all of this together. Mm -hmm. And you would think when you see something like the Milky Way galaxy uh, and you know gravity is dependent upon mass, that that center would be where all the mass is. But that's not the case. It's a little bit opposite of what you might think. Yeah, that that, um, outer halo has about as much mass as the intergalactic disk. Yeah. Um, Kind of counterintuitive. Yeah. And because that halo is made up mostly of gas and some dust, um, it's actually orbiting or rotating at a different rate or different velocity, I guess, than the galactic disk. Right. So there's actually torque that gets produced because the galactic disk is like dragging it along. Is that what makes the arms? No. We found out recently, like within the last month or two, I believe, that the the actual Milky Way galaxy is bent on the ends, like an S. So it looks like an S from the side, kind of like a sombrero with like the front up and the the back down. Okay. That's what the Milky Way is. Not an octopus, not a ceiling (laughs) fan. It's a crumpled sombrero. Maybe a nacho sombrero, like the one Homer Simpson wore. Right, or the guys that make just wear the cowboy hat with the front brim turned up like the cook at the the cowboy camp. Sure, cookie. Cookie. Yeah. Cookie the cook. Yeah, and galaxies are very, very far apart from one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, the closest one to us, uh, Andromeda, is 2.2 million light years away from us. Yes. And uh, that's a 
I mean, that's relatively close in the grand scheme. Right. But that's also pretty far apart. So I want to, there's this um, Professor Barbara Ryden from Ohio State whose lecture we came across, and she, like, just nails this, right? 2.2 million light years is an astoundingly large distance, right? But it's actually really close for a galaxy because galaxies are so huge. Mm -hmm. And the way that she put it, like, if you took a pair of ping pongs. All right, here we go. And said one was. Ping pong balls? Ping pong balls, yes. No, games of ping pong. If you took two games, if you took two ping pong balls and one was the sun and one was a neighboring star to the sun, Alpha Centauri. Okay. uh, And you you put them relative to one another. Okay. uh, The ping pong balls would be as far apart as Columbus, Ohio and Jacksonville, Florida. Okay. If you use ping pong balls to be Andromeda and the Milky Way. Mm Mm-hmm. Here we go. The distance would be three feet oh, relative to one another. Interesting. It is interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's at least as interesting as your grain of sand in the palm of your I hand. I like thing. it. This less than one Big Mac. Maybe I didn't get it across. Let me try another <laughs> take, okay? No, I thought it was great. Okay. Um, they use, uh, well, we should talk about parsecs a little bit just because of the Star Wars thing. Because mm-hmm. a parsec is a uh, unit of distance. That is 3.26 light years. Okay. And you remember in Star Wars, the famous line from Han Solo, remember? No. That he made the Kessel run in 12 parsecs. So as a young dumb kid, I thought that meant, you know, like a parsec was like whatever, 30 seconds. Right. So he did this thing in a matter of minutes. Right. Uh, And then when I learned that it was a unit of distance and not time, I, I think a lot of people's inclination would be that that would be a mistake on the part of the writer right. of Star Wars. All right. But Star Wars nerds are quick to point out that no, no, no. He he did mean a unit of distance, but he actually skirted very close to a black hole on his Kessel Run, <laughs> and he actually shortened the normally 18-parsec route to 12 parsecs. Wow, that's a big, big shortcut. So he cut out, he basically took a shortcut. Right. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah, I'm just kind of wondering, this is, you know, all after the fact. What, what and, and they were like, oh, I right. thought it was. So. It's called shoehorning, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I got a lot going for them. Yeah. <laughs> so as far as formation in the galaxy, uh, again, we're talking about uh, going back further than we can see with our current telescopes, mm-hmm. even even the web one upcoming. But we do have some pretty good guesses um, that after the Big Bang, about 14 billion years ago is when uh, these galaxies formed from Again, just dust and gas. Right. There was collapsing. lots of lots of hydrogen gas in the early universe and yeah, helium. Um, yeah. Yes. And the uh, so from this expansion that took place, um, there were parts of the universe that were less dense than other parts, and the denser parts slowed down the expansion. Yeah. Enough to for some of this dust and gas to accumulate into balls, which uh, went one of two ways. Either those balls formed the earliest stars, and then those stars started to uh, to accumulate into a galaxy, mm-hmm. which to me doesn't make sense because if stars are so far apart, how would they how would they have any effect on one another to form a galaxy? Probably not that. Instead, they think that the 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 clouds of dust and gas um, formed at like what's called a proto galaxy, mm-hmm. and then from that more and more density was created, more and more gravity pushed more and more dust and gas together to form stars within this 
accumulation, which would be kind of like that um, that uh, disc, the gas disc that's flowing around the Milky Way. Yeah, and it's interesting. It just seems like so much happened because of um, collapsing things collapsing in on themselves. Gravity. Yeah. Really interesting. It really is. I mean, because, and this is the whole reason why people study this stuff is like when you start to understand this, you can start to understand the very structure of the universe. And yeah. they've actually started to map this to where they can they can see where the dark matter is. Remember in that episode that we they started to map dark matter in the universe. Yeah, and then also physical matter. Um, and the map that they're created, it's it's a it looks like a cobweb. There's lots yeah. of like um, like spindly parts and thick clumps and then parts where there's voids. And f- it looks unsettlingly like a close-up of brain tissue, yeah. of like neurons in a brain. Yeah. But it's what the universe looks like. Voids in between yeah. areas of matter. Mm-hmm. Really interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, so we were talking about the uh, the distance between galaxies – being really large, and that is true, but also, like you said, at the same time, galaxies themselves are so large uh-huh. that uh, they they do collide. I mean, should we go ahead and talk about that? I think it's inevitable. But when they do collide, it's not like uh, everything within that galaxy is so far apart. You, it's not like what you might picture in your head, which is planets and stars just smashing into each other all over the place. Right, which you would think so, but the distances between stars are so colossal yeah. that entire galaxies can just merge with one another without any star collisions or virtually none. Now, do they always merge or do sometimes they just kind of pass through one another and come out the other side? I think they can do both. a little different. There's definitely types of universes that pass within... Galaxies? Uh, ty- yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all we're talking about right here, right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the galaxies pass close enough to one another, but don't necessarily merge. But their their gravity still has an effect on one another. Right. There's a pair of galaxies called the mice where That's they've gotten cute. close enough together that they've pulled stars toward one another, and they mm-hmm. each have tails now. Oh. Um, there's a galaxy called the Cartwheel Galaxy that a smaller galaxy passed through and apparently created ripples. So just like, um, as as Professor Ryden put it, just like you drop a stone into a pond, it mm. creates ripples in the water. Those That other galaxy created ripples in this larger host universe. So there's other things that can happen besides just a straight-up merger. But right. I think even in a merger, sometimes some of the stars shake loose and end up just, they're, they're out in space. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and when they do uh, come together or collide, they... Spiral galaxies generally, like the shape can change, and they generally go to the elliptical side. So Mm -hmm. if you see a spiral galaxy like our own Milky Way, then chances are it has never been in such a collision. Yeah. They think that the spiral galaxies used to dominate. I think you said like 60% of galaxies today are the elliptical ones, right? The disordered ones. Yeah. And they think that spiral galaxies used to be the majority, but so many of them um, merged to, to become uh, elliptical gal- galaxies, that's what we see the most of now. Yeah, about, what do they say, about 50% of all galaxies at some point have been involved in a collision. Yeah, I, I saw as high as 90% in one place. And m- the Milky Way will at some point, right? 
Yeah. I mean, it's kind of inevitable, isn't it? We're going to merge with Andromeda in about 5 billion years. In about 3 billion years, we'll, our, we'll start affecting one another at the edges. We'll start pulling one another I- into each other. And then we'll eventually merge and become one called the Milkometa galaxy. Is that really what it's going to be called? Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, within 5 billion years, they'll come up with a better name. Interesting. Um, Andromixy. Yeah. Androm. Andromi way, the in, the Andrama way, Andrama way. That's I like pretty it. good. Yeah, the Andro way. It's definitely better than the Milkometa. Yeah, but I mean, we're not going to be around. Our show will be. I don't know. It's possible. What if this lived on billions of years from now? That's. I mean, that's what we're doing, right? That's what I we're hoping so. for. So uh, these galaxies um, throughout the universe do exist in galactic clusters. They. Um, they are drawn to one another uh, by gravity, and we are in um, what's called a poor cluster, which is less than a thousand. Well, like way less. Yeah, called the local group, and there's only <laughs> fifty of us. That's a good local band name too. I think so. It sounds like a sort of a union group. Yeah, or like, like uh, the local forty-one or whatever. If you're just playing for free beer, that's that's what you're doing with your band. Local group. Local group is <laughs> should be the name of your band. That's a great name for it. That's pretty good. Uh, and then there are rich clusters. And there are more than a thousand uh, in the rich clusters, right? And some some have way more than a thousand. There's one Man. called the Virgo supercluster that That's has twenty five hundred of these uh, of galaxies all clustered together. Wow! So think about it: you've got a planets orbiting a star, solar system. Solar system is orbiting the center of the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Galaxies can orbit one another. Yeah. Or at least have effects on one another's orbits. Everything clusters together yeah. in larger and larger amounts thanks to gravity. Once you pass a certain threshold, and electromagnetism and the strong and weak nuclear force are not like the dominant forces, gravity takes over and it does some interesting stuff to the structure. And it's driving astronomers batty. They're like, surely there is some rhyme or reason to this. There's some pattern to this. Yeah. There's got to be. They're like Jim Carrey in the number 23 or something, you know? <laughs> um, and th- they they think that if they can study the evolution of galaxies, they will be able to figure out the process that happens. Yeah. Or what the ultimate point will be. Let's are, we, take, are we done? Let's take a break. Oh, no, we got more? Yeah, we got more. All right. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! 
Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids because, let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull, more intense than an alien abduction, and more reliable than your phone's battery during a podcast marathon. When it comes to needing intense freshness, Altoids have you covered. Altoids are stronger than your favorite conspiracy theory, more intense than the latest true crime docuseries, and more reliable than a Bigfoot sighting. They're not just mints, they're curiously strong mints. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today. All right, so we've talked a lot about the distance between galaxies, uh, but there's actually a name for that space in between galaxies in these clusters that we talked about called the intergalactic medium. And uh, it is not empty. It's not just some void. Uh, And we don't know exactly what's going on in there, but we're studying it a lot. Um, They think that there's probably some gas because I think that's their default for everything in space. Right, there's gas in there. There's got to be some gas in there and probably some dust. And a lot of it's super cold like you would expect. Yeah, this is what the strange thing is, though, but some of it is really, really hot. Right. And did have they explained that yet? No. (laughs) No? No. They're just taking a stab. It's a really neat age of discovery for astronomy. Like, we're getting better and better at looking out into the universe. Yeah. So we're finding out more and more. But just just because we get data back doesn't mean we can necessarily make heads or tails of it. Yeah, yeah that's true. But, yeah, there's there's hot sections of the the inner interstellar void. What's it called? Uh, intergalactic medium. In, the intergalactic medium. Yeah. And um, Which has kind of been inter- interstellar void. Sure. And, but I, I can't start sure. making up astronomy terms. I need to use the real ones. Um, but there's also, like, in these hot pockets, right, <laughs> there's some pepperoni and cheese in there that will take the roof clean off of your mouth. Oh. Um, there's hot metals, which would also burn the roof of your mouth, too, at a million degrees Kelvin. Yeah, and I mean, that is the difference, too, um, from the cold um, intergalactic medium, about two degrees Kelvin, all the way to millions of degrees. Yeah. That's quite a span. Right. And no idea why or what it's doing there or what's going to become of it or if it used to be something else. We just don't understand if it follows a pattern. And it seems to. Yeah, for sure. Um, And thanks to Hubble, too, we also have Hubble's Law. Yeah. Which, and it's so hard to believe he was doing all this in the 1920s. Dude, I know. He was a boss. Yeah. Like really, really, uh, that's, that's amazing. He also once beat up James Webb in a bar fight which makes this whole telescope thing really <laughs> ironic. Uh, but Hubble's law states this observation that he made way back when, where, and this is an actual graph of this relationship, but he basically was like, you know what? Everything is moving away from us. Like every time I look at something through this telescope, it's everything is moving away. And not only that, but the further away it is, the faster it's moving away. Which is mind-boggling. Yeah. Because uh, you, you can think like, all right, the universe is expanding. So that's fine. Everything's moving away from us. Mm-hmm. It also suggests that there's no center to the universe. This is where that comes from. Mm-hmm. Because everything, no matter what direction you look in, right. it's moving away from us. You would think that— But doesn't that mean we're the center? <laughs> bite your tongue. <laughs> um, but that's the cosmological principle, that everything is expanding. The entire universe, not everything in the universe is expanding within the universe. Right. The very universe itself is expanding, yeah. right? And since some things are moving away, the further the further they are away, the f- 
faster they're moving away from us, mm -hmm. that means that there's plenty of the universe that we will we can never possibly detect. Because if even if we get up to the speed of light for travel, some parts of the universe, the furthest away parts, are actually spreading at faster than the speed of light. Yeah, we can't catch up to it. So it is, it is cosmically impossible for us to ever detect a large part of the universe, which is why when we're talking about the universe that we're talking about and observing, mm -hmm. that's called the visible universe. Right. But that's probably just a, a relatively small chunk of the universe itself, which mm -hmm. might be infinite for all we know. Yeah. And we may never know what the universe is really shaped like, what it's made of, how big it is, um, because of this expansion that's actually speeding up and accelerating beyond our, our ability to detect it. Amazing. It's kind of sad in a way. Yeah. Be, and eventually, this is this is the most mind blowing thing I've ever heard. Your the expansion will accelerate so much that the moon will no longer be visible to us. Like nothing will be visible to us. Right. And on a long enough time scale, I believe you wouldn't even be able to detect your hand in front of your face if you could, if it was physically possible, because of that expansion of light. Wow. Right. Yeah. So the universe expanding is actually pulling light. Yeah. Out of its out of the visible spectrum into a longer wavelength in what's called red shifting because the red is the the longer wavelength uh, end of the visible spectrum right and so what Hubble what Hubble detected is called the red shift everything's moving away from us yeah which we could observe because of X rays right uh, because of infrared I think oh infrared yeah man I know I love this stuff I'm glad you do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm aroused. Oh, goodness. Um, so, I guess if you're aroused, we should talk about active galaxies because, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm still waiting on my squeeze, by the way. <laughs> oh, your uh, peanut squeeze? Mm -hmm. All right. Just hang on. Okay. That, that's your little treat if we finish this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if we finish this. Um, so, if you're looking at a normal galaxy, let's say like the Milky Way, I guess, uh, all, all this light or most of it that you're seeing um, is pretty evenly distributed throughout that galaxy because it says, you know, the same those same galaxies that have the even distribution of light, um, they have looked at it through X-ray and ultraviolet mm -hmm. and infrared, and it seems like they are giving off that energy from the nucleus, and that is the active galaxy. Okay, yeah. Which is a very small percentage of the overall galaxy. Right, so the light and energy in a, a normal galaxy, a non-active galaxy, it, it's distributed evenly throughout. Yeah. Whereas in an active galaxy, all of that light and energy is coming from the center. Yeah, but there, I mean, what are those, like one, how many percent? I was going to say 1%. I don't know if that's right. I'm not right, sure though. what the percentages. I know they're they're fairly rare from what we can Yeah, tell. actually, I didn't have a percentage, but it just says a very small percentage. Yeah, I think they've, they've discovered like a couple thousand so far or less than, less than half a million, less than a million, which is a very small amount. Yeah. But the distinction between them and a regular galaxy is, again, all of that light, all of that energy is coming from a very small portion of the galaxy. Yeah. Rather than the galaxy as a whole putting out all this light and energy, this it's all concentrated in the middle. Right. It's very weird. And upon closer inspection, these things that look as bright as, you know, galaxies that are relatively close to us, mm -hmm. we're finding are actually billions and billions and billions of miles, light year, I'm sorry, light years away from us. Mm -hmm. 
but they seem just as bright, which makes them super energetic. Yeah. So they started to try to figure out what's going on, and they think that the culprit are super massive black holes at the center of, of these galaxies. Well, and that's what is at the center of our own. I suspect there's a supermassive black hole at the center of every galaxy. That's my big prediction for for the second decade, the yeah. third decade of the 21st <laughs> century. We're going to figure that out. Okay. Um, if you're talking active galaxies, there are four classifications within that uh, genre. Mm-hmm. And uh, they say that if it's basically – it may not be structural. It, it might depend more on, like, the angle that we're viewing these things. Yeah, like, they're all probably the same thing. Right. Yeah. But uh, for that classification, is the Seifert galaxies, radio galaxies, quasars, and blazars. Yeah, and radio galaxy, I only ran across here. Everybody else just says it's Seifert, blazars, and quasars. Yeah, radio galaxies, 0.01% of all galaxies. So I think, I think Freudrich just made that up. I think he has stock in in radio (laughs) galaxies or something, so he slipped it in. That's funny. Um, Carl Seifert uh, coined the, um, obviously, in 1943, the Seifert galaxies. And um, what's the deal with these? So let's see. The Seifert galaxy has no jets. Oh, right. So this is the thing about an active galaxy, and this is why they think there's a supermassive black hole at the center. They think that the accretion disk of gas and dust and everything that's just swirling, circling the drain of the event horizon of the black hole. Yeah. Um, as this gas and dust circles, friction develops, speed develops, and it gets so hot that some of that material doesn't get sucked into the black hole, instead gets shot away above and below the black hole right. into jets that are so tall, they're as tall as the galaxy is wide. They're just huge, huge energetic fountains of, of just basically pure energy. Yeah. And um, that's what causes this brightness that can be seen from so far away. And depending on the angle of it relative to us, we've basically said it's a Seifert galaxy, which means that we're probably seeing it from the side. Right. And so we can't see the jets because they're not pointed to us. And then there's blazars and quasars, too. Yeah, in the case of the blazar, that's looking basically straight on at that jet that you were talking about. It's coming right at you. Right at your face. Looking down the barrel of a blazar. Uh, And then the quasars, uh, we discovered those in the 1960s. Um, They've discovered, what, like 13,000, but they think there could be up to Mm 100,000. And these are billions of light years away from us. And these are the ones that are the most energetic of, of them all. Yeah. So if you look at a quasar or something like that and the jets coming out of the quasar, what you're actually seeing is basically the the most potent particle accelerator in the universe. Yeah. Just shooting those energetic particles into space. It's amazing. I can't imagine what it would be like to be anywhere near something like that. You'd die. Yeah, but if like you were just there in (laughs) spirit or something, you know? Sure. Yeah. Or if you could see it with a space telescope. That'd be great too. I'd settle for that, for the James James Woods space telescope. (laughs) What else you got? Oh, the Starburst Galaxy thing at the end was kind of interesting. Yeah, this um, I just want to go on record as saying Starburst is one of the most beautiful words ever. You like that? I love it. Yeah, I like that too. Attach star or burst onto anything. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not true because a fecal burst. <laughs> fecal burst. <laughs> no or good. Or a fecal star. <laughs> that sounds prettier than fecal burst. 
A fecal star? I sure, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just about everything sounds better than fecal burst. So, <laughs> um, galaxies as we know them have a very low rate of new stars being formed, mm-hmm. usually about one a year. Yeah. But these starburst galaxies produce more than 100 a year, which is amazing. Yeah, it is. Compared to the rest. 100 times more amazing than a regular galaxy. <laughs> That's true. They also think that they burn themselves out rather quickly. And that those might actually be the globular clusters that end up just kind of hanging around a real galaxy. Well, they say the stars that burn the brightest. Yeah, like Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. The 27 Club, all (laughs) globular cluster starbursts. That's it. That's it. If you want to know more about galaxies, friends, there is a whole universe out there for you to go check out. And you can start on the internet, so go check it out there. Uh, And since I said something weird like that, it's time for Listener Mail. So in lieu of Listener Mail. Oh, okay. (laughs) We we got a lot of feedback on our Stalker episode, which kudos to you. That was your idea. Oh, thanks. And that ended up being a really good episode, I think. Um, But we got a lot of emails from... um, both men and women who had been victims of stalking. Some people who didn't even know they'd been stalked yeah. until they listened to the episode were like, oh, okay, well, I was stalked. Yeah, and some really just heartbreaking, scary, scary, in-depth, long stories that yeah. we heard. people who had to move, yeah, people who were yeah. still in the midst of it. It's yeah. just awful. It's tough stuff. So uh, we're not going to read any of those because they are very personal stories. and um, They're all anonymous. Yeah. Most rightfully of them, so. <laughs> most of them were. Um, but we just want to say thanks to everyone for being brave enough to share your story with us yeah. and just direct people to get help if you're being stalked. Uh, it is serious stuff, and I hope that podcast really got that across. Yeah, and that was one thing almost universally that we heard was that, like, thank you for saying, like, go find local help because right. it's out there, and that's a huge first step. Yeah, and a lot of these people, like, just like we had talked about, kind of went through the verbatim steps mm-hmm. of, People at work thought I was just overreacting, and even my family thought I was blowing it out of proportion. Why didn't you press charges the first time? What did you wait for? You know, that, yeah, blaming the victim, basically. All that stuff. So uh, you can reach out to the Stalking Resource Center, the National Center for Victims of Crime. It's a good place to start. Um, There are plenty of it, depending on what country you're from. Uh, There are different organizations. I see one uh, from the UK where you can report a stalker. Um, and in fact, one of our listeners from the UK had a really hard time over there mm-hmm. being taken seriously. Yeah. Uh, and then there's also uh, uh, Rain R A I N N, who is in their 25th year, and they um, they have some good resources for you as well. Yeah. So just check it out online. Nice work, Chuck. Nice work, Josh. All right. Well, thank you everybody who wrote in. Uh, and if you want to write in for any reason, you can go to our website at stuffyoushouldknow.com and check out the uh, social links. I have a website too, thejoshclarkway.com, and you can send us all an email, me, Chuck, Jerry, everybody, to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 
20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. In Puerto Rico, there's adventure around every corner and natural treasures waiting to be explored, like El Yunque, the only tropical rainforest in the U.S. Get swept away by natural beauty and come away with unique stories that could only be experienced in Puerto Rico and that remind you why you travel in the first place. Visits end, but stories last forever. You don't become a part of the island, it becomes a part of you. No passports required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.